Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who likes to smoke cigarettes the size of his index finger and rub his lips in a really weird way. <laughs> you know, this is the, the second time in, I think, about 10 episodes where you have made reference to me smoking large cigarettes. Uh, what was the other one? The uh, the opening of... Uh, uh, it was a little longer ago than that. It's actually the opening of uh, The Two of Us you make reference to. Because <laughs> oh. the kid in The Two of Us smokes a cigarette the size of his head. Yeah, yeah, uh, true. Very true. Uh, yeah, I mean, this one's not as comically large, but it's fairly large. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then the, and the weird lip rubbing. <laughs> the weird lip rubbing does get you. Don't rub your lips right now. It's a bad idea. Before we get to this week's movie, I do want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Uh, we got a couple different <laughs> tiers over there. Yeah. What? Why no, I just started thinking about like every time you introduce. Every I time I like, goof that up in the past. Yeah. 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 And then also I, I start thinking about big cigarettes and how we won't send you any if you sign up for our Patreon. But I <laughs> We're not to going to mail you cigarettes. The other direction. I might mail we you are. giant cigarettes if you don't sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> that seems unlikely too. Yeah, uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> patreon.com says lost in criterion. We've got a few different tiers over there of support. Lowest level, $1. You get access to bonus material. It is uh great low cost. If you, if you like what we do here, uh, you get to hear us talk about a non criterion film and you get to hear us talk. Uh, you get to vote on what movie we're going to talk about. Uh, we've done some really fun episodes over there, uh, with, uh, with guests, uh, frequently, if someone suggests a movie uh, for the uh, for the poll, we will end up inviting them on to talk right. about it. We've, if you want to be on the podcast, suggest a yeah. list. Yeah, we did that with uh, Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghadira with uh, longtime supporter Jason Westhaver. We did that with uh, Now You See Me with our dear friend Stephen Goldmeyer. Uh, and they were both very fun conversations. Uh, but yeah, we have... A lot of fun over there watching movies of various quality, but uh, but ones that are not in the Criterion Collection. Uh, and uh, always, whatever the list is, uh, Kazam, the 1996 children's film starring Shaquille O'Neal, is uh, is number five option. Uh, speaking of Kazam, I uh, I recently I... watched Steel, the other movie that oh, Shaquille yeah. O'Neal starred in. Yeah, and uh, it's not great. No, <laughs> Kazam, I think is a better movie. I've seen Kazam... Steel. Kazam is surprisingly the better movie. It's true. But yeah, that $1 uh, month level gets you the bonus episodes. And a little above that, at $5 a month, we'd like to thank those supporters on air. So thank you to Christopher Otto for your $5 support. A little bit above that, we do something that I think is pretty special. Uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on postcards and... uh, you know, we help support the U.S. Postal Service and international postal services too, probably. Yeah, uh, no. considering well, I, mean, I do we send them internationally. We ship, we ship some postcards <laughs> to Canada. It's true. It's true. 
but yeah, I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personal note on the back uh, thanking those supporters. And we also like to thank those supporters on air. So thank you to Jason Westhaver, Adam Speakerman, and Michael McGrath for your continued you $10 so and above support. We're very grateful for it. Uh, yeah, patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want to get in on that. This week, we are once again going back to the backbone of Criterion Collection releases with a <laughs> yep. Goddard film. Yep. Um, is Goddard the most, the director with the most releases in the Criterion Collection? You I don't ask know. ask me that as though that's a question I would know yeah, the answer you to. You would not know. I, I would not know. It seems possible. I don't know if that information would be readily available in a way that I could find it. Yeah, and then also when you consider the fact that um, their current release schedule is so amped up that yeah. even if it was true two years ago or something when somebody wrote an article, yeah, it wouldn't it may necessarily not be, be true now. may not be true now. That's fair. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Goddard is uh, is very well represented within the Criterion Collection. We've seen a good chunk of Goddard films before, and I'm sure we will see more. Uh, but this week we are talking about his first directorial debut, Breathless. Uh, this is a film that, incidentally, uh, the original story uh, was written by Francois Truffaut. Um, okay. In conjunction with Claude Chabrol. Huh. Uh, okay. They didn't want to make the movie themselves, so <laughs> they gave it to Gothard, who wrote the screenplay, kind of. <laughs> we can get into that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Goddard, Goddard wrote the scenes that would be filmed that day in the morning. That's that's, that's all checks had, out. The thing he had you a just framework. Said to me, yeah, check out super super clearly. He had a framework of kind of what he wanted the film to do. Though I guess it came down to day of filming and conversation with actor star Jean Paul Belmondo uh, on the final day of shooting as to whether or not the main character would actually die. <laughs> was uh-huh. was something that hadn't right. been decided yet. That but, che- that, again, all of this checks out. But that is Jean-Luc Cinema Goddard for you. So, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about this before, but does the cinema, like, what's happening here? Jean-Luc Cinema Goddard is how he credited himself, I believe, in Contempt, which is, okay, that's okay. Which is also, yeah, incidentally, okay. the Goddard film we loved the most. Right, but, <laughs> right. Uh, but. This one's not going to be on the... Well, okay, so... Well, with the possible exception of Tavabian, because I, do, I really did love Tavabian. Right. Um, um, but yes, I would like to say something though. Really, let's just, like, just just really get right down to business here. Um, in the description right. of this, okay, no, you don't want to get down to business. You want to? Oh wanna yeah, by absolutely, absolutely. Let's get yeah. into it. Yeah, because um, we will. Um, yeah. So, a couple things in the description of is this is this okay? Let's rewind in the in the description for this on Criterion Channel. They refer okay. to this as sort of the birth of French New Wave. Okay. Uh, this, I don't think that's necessarily true. This is one of the earliest films right. that sort of codifies what the French New Wave is. Right. 400 Blows came out the year before this. Right. Hiroshima Mon Amour came out the year before this. Right. Um, okay. And those would really be the first films 
of what is colloquially understood to be the codifying moments of the French New Wave. Breathless among them as well. You know, you don't you don't codify something with one movie. <laughs> right. I got gotcha. you. You need you need a few to establish the pattern. The, um, right. Go ahead. Yeah. Now there are other we have we have heard phrasing like that before in movies that predate these um, works of like Melville and things that uh, that the uh, uh, the new wave guys are imitating. But right. but this is this is among the first films that really has a lot of what we think of when we think of the French New Wave. So what what what's interesting to me, and it might just be that like my understanding of the French New Wave has sort of changed over the course of this project. Yes. This one feels very much not that French New Wavey to me. In that the plot seems more contrived. Than what the I've plot is to feel about French New Wave. See, that is that is a thing about Goddard. Is Goddard, whereas a lot of French New Wave is, uh, you know, throwing off the shackles of cinema. Right, is is kind of the idea of of all the new waves. Goddard is very deeply in love with pop movies. Right. Right. And Goddard is very deeply in love with with emulating these styles of of pop movies, you know, um, which which we have discussed. Uh, right. Uh, well, see, the problem is happens to since... his detriment with something right. like, say, Alphaville, which we weren't into. <laughs> uh, that is that is much more deeply contingent on understanding a pop film. Um, right. I think, but but even things like contempt and Telvabian get into that as well, and and this right. certainly, this is this is also a movie that sort of invents the neo noir in a time when uh, regular noir was was still maybe getting still made. existed. Yeah, it still was yeah. a thing that was made all the time. Well, that's what I'm saying is that I and I and we've talked. Yeah, we've definitely talked about Goddard as being this way. Yeah. Um but like this one and maybe it's just because it's the first his his first film, right? Yeah. First feature film like feels even more deeply entrenched in that to the point of me being like, wait, this is French New Wave? Like even 400 Blows, which comes literally just a year before this. Yeah. Feels less contrived than this. Well, one one thing that I think adds to that is that our two leads are both trained actors. Right. Uh, exactly. John Pelmondo had maybe never been in a movie before, though I no, he had been because they met on the set of a different movie. <laughs> okay, there you go. Perfect. Uh Yeah, his first his first film was Molier, uh, a short in 1956. Uh he met Goddard, I think, on the set of a Jean-Pierre Castle film. Um, I mean, I by could this be time, wrong on like that. his filmography has, yeah. Let's see, what year did this come out? Yeah. Um, um this is this is nineteen sixty, right? This is not even in his first ten, right? Right, and a lot of those are shorts, and, right, and but, perhaps but, but even like on his filmography is something, 
something like Charlotte and Her Boyfriend, which was a film Jean-Luc Goddard shot, a short he shot with him in 58, that's right. never been actually released. Right. Um, my, my point is this is a an actor who wants to be an actor for a living. He is not a rando that somebody right, right. found on the street, a la what, we've co- what I've come to expect from the French New Wave. Right. Where where we get a kid who's never acted before and, and throw them into us, and then our other our other uh, star is uh, Gene Seberg, the <laughs> Gene Seberg, who is you know she's an American actress she's she's right. well known she's right. Uh, I mean this sure is relatively sure America her hated career. her because she cared about black people but right. <laughs> she. And it's it is also relatively early in her career, um, and she principally, uh, I believe she mainly acted. Well, no, her first role, at least on Wikipedia, her first role is uh, um, Saint Joan as Joan of Arc in yeah. a uh, in a UK joint UK US production. Um, but yeah, she would go on to star in a lot of right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. French it's, New Wave stuff. But my, my my point is just that like you can feel it. Yeah, that these are actual actors. Yeah, it's very clear in the performances. And then because the plot line is both clearly half-assed, but also not in the way that like I've come to expect from the more experimental. French New Wave films where it's sort of on off the cuff based on like what everybody was feeling like doing, you know what I mean? Like we've watched those movies too, which yeah. are kind of more meandering because they're more like character studies. Right. This is a movie <laughs> with right. a plot that is not very well written. <laughs> well, it's it's a movie with not a lot of plot. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, that's true. You're right. But what I mean is it has it has all the trappings of a this kind of crime noir. It just right, does. right. Uh, in order, the the baseline plot that facilitates uh, the gender politics that Goddard yes. has that <sighs> we have we have never liked. Um, Adam, I'm so <laughs> so tired. Like while I was watching this, was like we're gonna do this again. Yeah. Can we just like play an old old episode? Can you just dig one up? <laughs> like fucking like maybe we can get an algorithm that just replaces the name of the film and we can just pack it in. Oh, uh, we'll just Jules and Jim was was Truffaut, but uh but we could just probably <laughs> replay probably a lot of the Jules well. and Jim yeah, episode. And, and, and do out. all right. <laughs> uh, I mean then the algorithm will have to look for both director name and film name, which is a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm sure we could get somebody to write that for us. I just got a pretty big check from the government, so <laughs> yeah, that government money that's going to pay for us to write that there uh, Python. Uh, like, actually, did I ever? This is unrelated to what yeah. we're talking about today. But one of the podcasts I used to listen to a fair amount, uh, I don't listen much anymore, just because I kind of lost interest after a while. But I listened to it for a pretty long time. One of their one of their um, audience members actually created a Python script that would go through and find all the ad reads and remove it <laughs> nice. for you, and just play the episode without the ad reads. I like which it. I just think is That's a really fascinating thing for a fan of a thing to do. Just be like, I great. love your work, but 
I am going to make sure that it has no economic value to you. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Uh, that is great. Uh, but yeah, uh, the lack of function, the lack of plot here leaves us with a the bulk of the movie being gender politics <sighs> and a dude being... rubbing his lips a lot <laughs> being like Jean-Paul Belmondo rubbing his lips a lot and trying to sleep with Jean Seberg Seberg I can't say her name today or god okay like I knew we were gonna like I yeah this movie man <laughs> for the love of god I, I almost wrote a bunch of twit Twitter posts like I was like well I now know what it's like when somebody makes a movie like with it seems like the purposeful episode a purpose of demonstrating just how fucking annoying somebody who wants to get laid can be <laughs> right right like, this guy and after- is so fucking an- like I guess in terms of if, 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 if you categorize this movie just right you get some sort of weird oddly framed glimpse into what it's like to be a woman pursued by a man who just won't leave her alone. Right, right. And and in that regard, it has a lot of similarities to last week's excursion with Gus Van Sant's right. uh, Malinoche, also about a man who's very annoying. Who will attempts. just not take no for an answer. Just straight <laughs> right. up, will not. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this movie... <laughs> sure. Um. <laughs> well, here's what I will say about this. I guess if the goal was to explore the plumb the depths of just how much of a whiny pain in the ass a horny dude can be, it's brilliant work. That guy bitches and moans for an hour and a half straight. And then he gets shot, and I'm kind of like, yeah. thank God. We're done. Also, also the Frenchness of this, where repeatedly throughout this movie, Gene Seberg is said to not be pretty. Yeah, <laughs> like because she has no, short I mean, hair. I guess What's we going know on who here? Invented like... nagging, right? We figured it <laughs> right. out. It's in this movie. All those people who are selling those god awful like lecture series is just stole it Go from on. this fucking movie. Right. Go watch Breathless. You don't actually have to kill the cop, but pretend like you could have killed the cop, and definitely wear the hat. You'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It done. You've done it. You've you've become those guys. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to this weird ass club. Yeah, of yeah. People who probably need some sort of rehabilitation. Uh what a what a what a thing. But yeah, yeah just... that exists in our world. Yeah, yeah. We we, we as a world generally regularly demonstrate that we probably shouldn't be anymore a world. Yeah, we're not very good at it. Now, now I say, you know, we've talked about this, like I said, with Jules and Jim, with Truffaut, and Masculine and Feminine with Goddard here. Um, this, this is a, the gender politics of early 60s France are not even the gender politics of late 60s France, right? Right. But, but uh, you know, there are, there are hints of better things in this movie, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, she is a woman with agency. Um, despite the fact that most of the film is the main character trying to overcome her agency. Uh, I mean, yes, but she, she is. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But she also has frank discussions about 
why she's making out with her editor, right? <laughs> you know? Right. Well, that's how I get work. It's like, well, that's, you know, uh, that's a bad thing, right? Right. <laughs> you know? that but is, it is, that's it a is, thing it we should see happening and say, I don't like that. That's not how it should work. <laughs> right. But, I mean, it is interesting because it is frank about that, those right. elements of society, which is, makes right. it a, which is fascinating. Right. To see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the jump cuts in this are interesting in the times when they're like pointless. <laughs> like right. when she's being followed by that one agent in the street and then he's following the agent and and her uh near the parade for Eisenhower or whatnot. And, like, it's shot from inside a storefront, and she passes, and then there's a jump cut for some reason before he passes. Like, they can't they can't time it right, or they, oh, they put I see. too much I space. See. So you're using the word interesting as a synonym for... Bad? Bad. Right, for <laughs> incomprehensible. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know why why that occurs, and I don't think it adds any anything to it. Now... I, uh, go ahead. Now, where that works to good effect um, is to, like, the opening sequence where he's driving and then jump cut and he's uh, parked in the woods going through his stuff and a motorcycle cop pulls up and black gunshot jump cut to him running across a field, you know, where, where it serves to get us into the story faster. That's great. Except that there's not enough story for us to get into the story. Well, that, that was the thing I was going to bring up is I feel like we're in a like the first five minutes of this movie. We're in a fucking foot race. Right. It's like, holy shit, guys, like extend this out a little bit. Like, it's not a great story, but like because of the pacing, it doesn't feel like we're compressing a long time into a short period of time. It feels right. like all this happened in actual five minutes of time. Like human time, right. and you're like, boy, this this escalated. All of this escalated very quickly to the point of being incomprehensible. And because of the very fast pacing of that first act, uh, it makes the rest of the movie, to me at least, feel slower. Yes, I totally agree. It, it right. is unevenly paced to the point to its detriment, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the actual, like, police plot stuff and the investigation and the fact that he's being chased without his knowledge, all of that to say, uh, you know, he's he's got the uh, the the French gangster movie stuff down. Uh, but then the well, whole... he's got it down in the sense that, like, he understands what it is. Right, right. It's that's, not good. That's sort of me. He hits, he hits those notes, right? Right, okay, yes, uh, true. Um, and all I think, like, the, the interaction... When he when he goes later in the film, when you know he goes to see the other guy about getting money, and they're talking about who uh, who they can call to cash this check to launder the money, um, and actually he gives a shout out to Bob LaFlambeur during that conversation because right. one of the people they suggest is Bob, and Bob's in prison. Um, <clears throat> but uh, and then the you know the police come back later to that same place and like, well, you're an accessory to murder. With their threats, you know, there's there's a, there are interesting procedural stuff going on here. But they are very uh, run of the mill procedural stuff. But they're run of the mill procedural stuff, uh, and the rest of what's going on isn't that interesting. 
No, like, like, it isn't. It's like even even the Circle even Rouge had more too, and that was a movie I hated. <laughs> and I, I, you know, you hated it. I yeah. don't remember how I felt about it, but it was definitely more interesting. Than this. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and of course, that's you know two decades after this, right? Right, or of whatever. But, but, but like, but that the dec- the timing I don't think is the issue because there are plenty of noirs made at this time period yeah. in the world that are better executions of noir. One decade after this, actually, but yes, like the problem here is that like. This is all a vehicle, it feels like, to get to the thing he wants to talk about, which is relationship between men and women. Right. Um, which is which the is thing he thing... wants to talk about. Because if it weren't, we wouldn't have gone to that press conference, right? Right. So, like... Yeah, that, that fucking press conference. <laughs> right. That weird <laughs> thing. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, like, I was like, why are we watching this? What is happening here? To show her at work, uh, to show some guy openly flirting with her while she's meant to be interviewing him. Um, I guess so. To but show that mostly... she doesn't shut that down? I I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just a show like, hey, here's another different kind of asshole. Right, right. Well, you were worried that there's only the one? No, there's many. <laughs> Turns out as we've got we've got at least three discrete types. <laughs> <laughs> a wide a wide selection available for your yeah. choosing of different forms and functions of assholes. Oh man, no, like that but, guy's But if 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 our main character's on the level of of portraying Goddard, then the idea that women want money and men want sex is really what is portrayed in this movie, right? She's she's not right. necessarily looking for money, but she is looking for stability and uh Well, she's looking and, for yes, but she is in she is interesting in the sense that like she openly says that she wants independence. Right, right. Which and is that's a, and that's uh, that's where it all gets down what it always gets down to with Goddard films right. though. And and with a lot of this early French uh, early 60s French stuff uh, is that, you know, it's it's the men in the film say women just want want money and men just want sex. And then the women say, no, I just want independence. Um, and then ultimately the way they act undermines right. their words. Right. right. No. She allows herself to be worn down. and But, you know, she might be pregnant. So she's got that. Um, right, and she's and then pretty sure this guy's the, the dad. She is so. being uh, being continuously harassed by the most right. annoying asshole in the history of mankind. <laughs> right, right. A guy who just wants her to run away with him uh, when the police are actively investigating. Like, like it's not even going back for your girlfriend. It's going back for a guy, a lady you slept with three weeks ago. Right, and then being like, "I want to bring you on our on our." international manhunt would you like to come with me and by the way i think you're ugly but you are funny so that's great uh, got that going for you yeah well oh god <laughs> fuck this movie yeah. uh, there's another melville connection would you like to hear the other melville connection sure it won't help with the conversation we're currently having and it won't trigger a new conversation but it is kind of fun okay um, 
uh, on Melville's suggestion, because apparently it is the same thing he did in Bob Le Flambeau uh, and another film. Uh, I don't remember talking about this with Bob Le Flambeau. Uh, Goddard could not afford a dolly. Uh, uh-huh. So all of those tracking shots uh, are done with the cinematographer sitting in a wheelchair that Goddard is pushing. Oh, okay. Um, we definitely talked about that before. Did we talk about that with Bob Lefonbourg? I'm maybe? almost certain. I mean, it's the only other time it would have come Bob up. So. I'm yeah. almost certain it's in there in our conversation yeah. about it. It's just long enough ago that I don't know. I'm yeah. Not, I'm almost certain of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you can always, you can tell the sort of the cheapness with it, which things are done because like pan shots are very clearly handheld. Like yeah. the camera will pan and it shakes. Yeah. As it's being panned, which is like was a dead indicator that yeah. it's just being held in somebody's hand. Now I think I think that some of those tracking shots are still pretty great, but track and tracking shots are like up my alley. We've talked about this before. Right. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm yes. impressed by a tracking shot. I think they're wonderful. Uh the fact that they don't cut away during that entire sequence picking up the check. You know, he walks in, he's at the front desk, they walk down the hallway, they get the check, they walk back out, and it's all it's all one shot, you know. The you know, following, following him as he runs down the street in the final sequence. Right. Um, well, these are good. These are good things. Uh, I mean, yeah, the running down the street one is okay. I think it is a bit overwrought, but he is having an overwrought dying, and it does yeah, last I mean, a little is, bit longer than is, it should. He, I feel like he is doing that thing that's always in like cartoons. Where, like the you know where, the police, whenever, like, the police have dies. shot him in a way where he cannot effectively run away, but seemingly are not giving chase. So, no, which is a wild him, thing to see. Letting him die and wander down the street. Done. Yeah, we're not gonna chase him. We're just gonna we're gonna clip his wings and then follow him around for a while. Yeah, and then He'll... somehow let his girlfriend get in front of us, right? And arrive, right. I guess, before we do, which is very weird. His girlfriend. And that, and that right? is actually That's a weird too, thing about but... this movie is that sometimes, for example, with the tracking shots, you get a very distinct and very clear picture of time, of space. Yeah. And then sometimes you don't. Like, sometimes it's very clear. and You're like, I know exactly where we are. I know how this all connects. And then sometimes you're like, where the fuck are we? <laughs> what is going on here? Who's in front? Who's second? What is happening here? Yeah. Like, and and that and I think some of that must come from this being his first film. Like he just is not. He has film making issues. Yeah, that maybe stem from some inexperience. Well, he was he did review a lot of movies before this. So well, and 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 we we have had that's the this whole French way that before. we can't we can't we can't go down that route. We're not going to have the conversation about wave. how reviewing a thing does not give you any <laughs> skill in making right. the thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have we you and I are never going to be good filmmakers. This will never happen. You might be. I will not. Yeah. I give you credit. Something could happen. You could you could turn into the next Goddard. No, you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Well, I do have a lot of free time and no one to be in a movie with right now. So, well, you have yourself, Adam. Yeah, 
And I presume uh, you could make wigs out of spaghetti. Apparently, uh, Truffaut's treatment of this uh, actually did have an ending, um, in, okay. in which in which our main character is just walking down the street, and uh, and more and more people recognize him, uh, and he was uh, he understood. I'm not gonna lie, John- that sounds more interesting. He understood Goddard's uh, more violent end because Goddard is by nature sadder than I am. According to Truffaut. Okay. Can we just like stop watching French New Wave films? No. Not because they're bad, but because I'm kind of tired of French New Wave directors (laughs) and dealing with their Uh, crazy shit. Tired of Frenchmen, period, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Not to paint with a broad brush, but uh (laughs) Um It was actually based on a true story, by the way. Uh and the one uh, the two lines I have on what that true story was are uh, the character of Michael Piacard is based on real life Michael Portale and his American girlfriend and journalist Beverly Lynette. In November 1952, Portale stole a car to visit his sick, sick mother in the Havre and ended up killing a motorcycle cop named Grimberg. That's the extent of the information Can I, I like, have. Like, I, okay, this is unrelated to the film, really. Yeah. But one of the things that always that bothered me in here is like, how did you escalate to shooting a cop that fast? Well, he was he was in Marseille and he stole a car, right from from an American. Like first first few minutes of the film, American and right. and his girlfriend get out of the car. American soldier and his girlfriend get out of the car. Our guy steals the car. There's a girl there who wants to come with him. He says, "No, I gotta do this. Gotta go with this money." presumably he does well he's back to and going back to paris to get the money right but he's getting the money by selling the car i don't understand so that. so like I'd none very of the clear that i did not understand yeah. that right um but he has stolen the car and he doesn't want to go to jail presumably is why he yeah, shoots I mean, the I cop who that. approaches him even though he doesn't necessarily know that the cop is approaching him because like they never have a conversation he just kills the cop which is right. Not a great That's idea. What I'm saying is like this is part of what I was complaining about though is that Garter's so desperate to get like over the hump of like the stuff you need to make a story that like I was, like all this happens in five minutes, not even, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And not like in the good way where you're like, wow, that was exciting, and I'm I'm I. It was a it was a whirlwind. It was just like I don't know anything about anything right now. Like you put me in this world and you're like, well, and then he shot the cop. And it's like, well, why did he shoot the cop? I don't know. <laughs> like doesn't want to go to jail, okay. But like like I feel like that's an escalation. Shooting the cop was definitely an escalation. It shouldn't have happened. And um, it's and it's his downfall, but also it doesn't really it's not like a this isn't like an elevators to the gallows thing either, right? You know, it's right. Not, yeah, we're not addressing it as his downfall. It's like right, not really important to the story, right? It's just like the inciting event, and then after that, it's like, well, now we can talk about their relationship. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It just it reminds me a lot of the six moral tales, in that I don't like it either. 
no, no, that's that's not necessarily what I mean by that. But but it's this uh, the entirety of their relationship is contained within this film, right? With one Pretty allusion yeah, I mean, to we, a with a very a minor pre-meeting, like right? Yeah. yeah, and it's it's him trying to get with her, and she's you know. To the six Moro tales, it's not explicit, you know, because there's not some sort of love triangle which exists in every one of the six Moro tales to some extent. She's not in right. love with someone else, but she's just not in love with him. So, you know, um, which sort of makes it more like the first of the six Moro tales, the bakery girl. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Where it's not really a love triangle either. It's just a jerk of a guy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's just, it's, there's not, I don't feel like there's any substance to that relationship. No, there isn't because, and and then in a different director, I would read that as like an an exploration of the fact that like people can create relationships where they don't exist. Like where like you could just like believe you're in a relationship or, but he doesn't even believe it. He just, he just wants to bone. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's what he wants. And his entire arc is just trying to wear this woman down. Like, that's it. That's all we watch for 90 minutes is a dude essentially just harassing a woman trying to convince her to sleep with him. Right. And just being every level of annoying about it. Right. Like, the reality, okay... Let's let's if we want to dig into why it's so bothersome is it's very easy to see for I think probably for a lot of men to see yourself at a younger age in this person. Yeah. Uh and that's not a I also experience. killed a police officer for no reason. Well, I didn't mean that part. <laughs> yeah. But like that like that that sort of like you know, I you know, it, it not quite to the extreme of this movie because movie is this person is ridiculously bad. Um, but like the thing about it is, is that's not a person that's admirable that I want to watch a movie about. He's not portrayed as being bad for being this kind of person. Yeah. Like he's not, I he's mean, just he's, normal. He's just a nor he's an air quotes, normal dude who spends some un, un, un unknowable amount of time on this effort because I, I think it's a day ish. <laughs> Right. Time is a little bit confusing. Right. How long it actually lasts is Yeah, also... I think it's like a day, two days? Not clear. It's got to be a couple of days, probably, I think. Right. Um, but, like, but he extends into categories that are creepier than even normal dudes who just want to have sex with women, right? Like, yeah. he breaks into her apartment. Well, he's got to hide out somewhere. But then he well, immediately tries to steal money and complains that there's no money. Yeah, well, he does that multiple times, right? Chicks, um, chicks never keep money in their apartment, man. But well, yeah, that's of the, course, of course, there's the earlier girl, the first girl he meets he meet also when he gets back from. to Paris, who he also steals money from. And, and, and then the, later the, complains about women never keeping money in their house, even though he's already stolen money from from this woman's right. house. The weird that, like, oh, like so, I can't help when I'm watching it to like try to mentally extend the sort of emotional depth of the characters because 
we don't get that much. Right. Um, so, like, a dude broke into her house. She's just afraid for her life, right? Well, she does theoretically know him and maybe even right, kind of like, like him. I know you, Adam. Yeah, if I broke into we're your very house, good friends. You would, I would not you think be you were going to kill me, but I would be yeah. very perturbed. Yes. Yes. And if you were a person I had slept with once a while back ago when I was on holiday in Nice, or however the fuck <laughs> you say that name, I just realized I don't yeah. Nice? Nice? Nice, right? Nice. Yeah, I think it's Nice. Yeah. I've played a lot of Civilization and never heard anybody actually say the name of any city. <laughs> um, there you go. Um, I feel like that would be more upsetting. Um, and so I, res- I I kind of mentally assumed that her lack of reaction was a panic response in the vein of like, well, there's now a possible murderer in my house. <laughs> I better not yeah. upset the possible murderer so he doesn't murder me. Yeah. Um. I get the impression later on that that's not what that response is about, and I think that is a very serious flaw in the design of the movie. Right. I think I think Goddard wanted this film to feel spontaneous, and because of that, he forced the film to be spontaneous. He comes up with ideas in the morning, meets the crew uh, in the early afternoon, um shoots for as long as it takes to shoot all of his ideas uh, between, according to some people on set, between 15 minutes and 12 hours, depending on the day. (laughs) All of this over the course of about three weeks. And, uh, you know, he shows up. He's got a notebook full of dialogue that he won't let anyone see. He'll (laughs) tell his main characters what he wants them sort of say. He'll take... That, that notebook was empty, right? He'll take some amount of criticism and pushback. Um, uh, Belmondo did talk about, uh, you know, they talk about what the two, uh, what he and, and Seberg were comfortable doing um, in the course of, of filming. Uh, and I don't, I don't think he, I don't think that just means sexual content. I think it, it means what, what they believe their characters to be, considering they right. are both people who presumably know how to act, but have at least acted in the past. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of conflicting stories about the filming of this and how organized it was. Um. Uh, Assistant director Pierre Rissant described the shoot as very organized. Um, actor Richard Balducci said shooting days ranged from 15 minutes to 12 hours, depending on how many good ideas Goddard had had that day. Producer Dorges de Beauregard wrote a letter to the entire crew complaining about the erratic shooting schedule. Uh, <laughs> well, it seems to me that the how much the filming was... Uh, organized depends on how much power you have relative to Goddard. Yeah. Right. Right. In the Outdoor sense street that, like, scenes. The, the, the uh, assistant director said everything was running smoothly. Yeah. The people who 
don't care what Goddard thinks in order to have a job <laughs> next year. Thinks it worked right. like shit. Weird right. how that is. Right. Uh yeah. Um they did select all locations for shooting before shooting began. Uh, but good. they also don't seem to have asked permission for anything. Uh except for maybe the Hotel Dissuade uh for the lengthy bedroom scene. Um because Goddard was determined to film there after he'd spent some time there after he returned from South America in the early 50s. Uh, outdoor scenes, street scenes were shot uh, by Goddard uh, building the camera into a postal cart complete with stamped packages piled up on top. Um, oh Goddard, Goddard not just building the camera into a postal cart, building himself into a postal cart. He controlled Wait, the camera so inside, inside the cart. He was in the cart, yes, with packages so on top of him. somebody else was pushing it while Goddard was yes. just inside the cart? No, 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 not Goddard. Uh, cinematographer Qatard. Uh, 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 what is his first name? I'm sorry. I, I realize I haven't actually mentioned him yet. Raul Qatard. Okay, because that, um, that, that naming scheme is even more confusing. Yes, yes. Jean-Luc Goddard and Raul Cotard sounds like a pen name. Um, yeah, it does. It does actually sound like it. It, yeah. it is something that like Goddard calls himself when he's like out on the weekends or something. Yeah, he worked. He worked with a lot of uh, a lot of new wave guys and a lot of films we've yeah, already I mean, seen. Truth, the piano player, a woman's a woman. Uh, um, weekend, we'll eventually watch and and Alphaville and Band Apart or Band and Band of Outsiders. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so he's hiding in a postal cart while they're while they're pushing him oh, around that, in that the street. That all makes sense. Um, you know, so it's shot it's shot in a guerrilla style, um, right? Yeah, I mean, and I that that I know is not something I inherently dislike or anything like that. Um, uh, my issue is that like when you shoot in a real style, you still need to have a plan. Like obviously erecting a postal card is a plan. Right. So clearly those right. street scenes were something that they gave some thought to. Like last, last week's movie was shot in a gorilla style, but they still sat down in the morning and thought, well, who knows who owns a restaurant <laughs> or, <laughs> or they drove around and asked for immediate permission. They also well, probably well, I mean, illegal, the is, illegally filmed on the street a lot for this for is last a thing we've encountered too. with the French New Wave right. a lot, right? Yeah. Like this is, but it's how you make an independent film, right? Right. Because permission totally. costs money, right? So. Absolutely, and and I and I get that. I just think yeah. it's very funny because like if you're going to ask for permit, if you're not going to ask for permission, you're also going to cook up all your ideas that morning. Yeah, that's a thing. Right. Right. It produces interesting results. Um, no, I think I mean, well, really, when you get down to it, like filmmaking wise, it's fine. There's nothing. It's it's not well paced or anything like that. I don't enjoy the pacing of the movie. It's really just comes down to like the story and just how sort of weird and haphazard the story is. Right. Right. And we know but that it's that also, is Goddard's you know. fault because Goddard. It's not one of those situations where like, well, Goddard was just working with what he had, though. It's like. This is his story that he's making. For the all reason, the reason post-war and through the '60s, um, the rise of the anti-hero, the uh, 
the gangster flick are very popular throughout the West. They're because of their anti-authoritism, right? Authority, right. Eh, authority. They're anti-authority. Yeah, and I get that. Yeah. So, so this movie is also about a rejection of authority by a disaffected young man. Uh, of course, that but like so many, like any gangster movie, uh, it 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 ends with that authority uh, coming back with a vengeance, inserting yeah. itself. Yeah, I mean, and that's all fine. I don't have a problem with that kind of story. Like, I've encountered it yeah. a bajillion times. We all have. Right. My issue is, is that it's not that movie, though. Right. Because right. we only spend, like, a grand total of maybe 15 minutes of the movie on that. 20? <laughs> I, that's not entirely true. Well, but, okay. Well, that's what, what I... It could be generous. I see so many people talking about this movie and talking about its headlong pacing or its in, its good pacing. Uh, and whereas I come <laughs> away from this movie and I'm stuck with what feels like a half hour of a single conversation of the two of them in that hotel room. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that, no, it is. You're right. Right. I mean, that conversation is around. It's a 90-minute but... movie. So if if – even even if I am in my memory of it overplaying how long that sequence is, it is still not a good paced movie to have that whole sequence. Well, Dep- I think depending what's on what you... trouble is the fact that that conversation continues to move around because That's the fair. sum total of that conversation is essentially him her him haranguing her until because that is a conversation that starts in the street while she's working. Right. Right. And does not end until basically she calls the cops. Right. That's when that conversation essentially ends. We go, that's a majority of the movie. And yes, there is the stuff about the police going on, but that oftentimes takes a back seat to that conversation that they are having. Right. Which is, I am using the word conversation very generously here. Uh, it, doesn't does feel much like a conversation. Does she give a reason for calling the cops in the film? I can't remember. She says that she wants him to go. Yeah. She has realized that she doesn't love him and right. that she wants him to go. She actually basically states that she's not trying to get him arrested. She just needs to force him to leave. Right, right. She wants which the cops fascin- to show up which to scare him to leave. Which is actually one of the most fascinating leave. things about the movie. Yeah. Is right. that she's just trying to make him go. Right. 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 Which And he won't a, take no for an answer, so she has to right. she has to enact an outside authority to try and to make him pressure a, him. Which into when leaving. you think about it in terms of an analysis of that sort of this relationship archetype, right? Like is fascinating. I don't think Goddard intends it this way. Right. But it is fascinating that eventually she has to appeal to authority and hope that the authority will do what she wants it to do. Right, to without make the overstepping. will not leave her alone, leave. Right. Right. Which is... Which Goddard makes it mirror... registers it as a betrayal and, and thinks her right. reasons are bullshit. Right, but it actually makes it mirror uh, an abusive relationship all the more. Absolutely. Right? No, it's, it's a so. very... It is, it is, wow, spot on for... Right. What this movie doesn't intend to say... Right. Is the things that make this movie actually interesting is the right. fact that it is about a man who just shows up in her fucking house. Right. 
<laughs> and won't leave. And will not leave her alone. And and the sort of kind of, you know, push and pull that she has with him because presumably, at least in one reading of it, she is afraid of him. Right. But even if she not, she does like him to a certain extent and doesn't want right. to see him come to harm. But right. Does but not that's want not to the be same thing as wanting to him. be with a person, right? Like, right. not wanting a right. person to be hurt is not the same thing, yeah. right, as being, like... There are and plenty I, of people I, think... I don't want to have sex with who I would I would feel bad if they got hurt, so... Right, absolutely, right. And, and you know, of course, like, she does meet up with him again uh, multiple times when she's away from him, but even if we read it much more gently, and it's she's not that afraid of him, she seems to be doing it mostly out of an obligation to not, like make things more complicated or worse, right? Like, a lot of times you get this sort of reading on her face, like, she's coming back to meet with him just because, like, she doesn't want to, like, create a a thing, right? Like, where she just wants, like, well, if I just hang out with him today, he'll go away. Right. Um, She does help him escape the... Well, she loses a tail to hang out that part is a little weird um, again i guess she, she doesn't want him to come whether or not she wants to get rid of him or not yet but also she doesn't want to bring him harm right you right know, that's true. the guy she, who's the guy who's following her obviously is following her to to get to him so right and i it's reasonable for her to believe that they will just shoot him on sight or or something right. to that extent that she that she just wants him to leave. Yeah. Not necessarily go to jail. Not not necessarily get shot. Just leave. Um, it's interesting, Bill, because he is also a person who just shot a dude. Like, it's a we- I feel like that's a weird thought process that I, I mean, maybe she, I don't know. It. Her story is interesting. Like, her part of the story is interesting. Um, it's not really necessary. It's sort of a focus, but not a hundred percent, but we don't get a lot of inner, a lot of her inner life. Yeah. As much as I'd like to understand what she's doing. Yeah. We do some, some of it's interesting. Uh, there are interesting elements. Right, right. There are interesting elements. Um, the interesting elements are not the things that caught on <laughs> to make this an influential movie. No, but... no, no. I, I'm just fascinated by her, like, I'm fascinated by her life. Yeah. In general. Like, what she's doing, what she's trying to accomplish, and that sort of stuff, right? They are not what right. they are not this film. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm just fascinated in her. Yeah. Uh because she's not a standard run of the mill gangster character right. like out like rebel character from these kind of movies right she's kind of a a different entity right right but she is she is an entity entity acted upon uh and then her one act of 
rebellion against what she's being acted upon by ends up with him dead and she doesn't like that but then also what does the actual ending of the movie mean you know when she when she asks what does disgusting mean um which is how it's or what does makes me want to puke mean i think is how it's actually translated in the criterion collection um right what uh is it meant to be just once another example of her not understanding the french is it meant to be another example of uh her not hearing what was said or is it meant to be her not understanding what what it means that she should be she should what the concept of shame is what is god right. trying to say there right yeah and but also the whole her not understanding what's said um or using the wrong french word is is something that that guy has been correcting in other women like what is what is even the point of the sequence with the woman the first not the i was going to ask that i don't know yeah i don't, I don't know. know why it's in there i don't know is it supposed to just set him set him up as a character cuz then its primarily goal seems to be to set him up as a real solid asshole right right <laughs> Yeah. Because, like, there's no other... You don't get any other message from that scene. I mean, I'm sure there's some other message that people thought they were giving, but the takeaway I got was, wow, check out this asshole. Right. (laughs) Some guy who wants to be Bogart, to the point where he goes and looks at Bogart posters at one point. Whose entire persona is trying to be this movie guy, uh, and that brings him to an end. Is that what Goddard's saying about the relationship of audiences trying to, be to film? Is, is is deadly? That that emulating movies is itself a terrible end, <laughs> because I mean, that that's something that would make sense for virtually any other new wave director yeah, to say yeah, over yeah, yeah, over totally. Goddard. That's right. definitely not what's going on here. Let's be very right. clear. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what to make of Breathless. Uh, it's, it's not something I disliked, but I can't say I liked it. It's it's firmly in I that sort of— I kind of disliked it. Like, I mean, if I'm being really brutally honest, like if you can't tell from this yeah. episode, I mainly disliked it because as a character, I just fundamentally didn't like right. our main character. Yeah. And For like me, we've encountered before— if you make a main character that I don't get the impression you're trying to tell me is is bad an asshole, but <laughs> yeah. is an asshole, yeah. I I I am forced to believe that you don't think he's an asshole. Right. Right. That's you know. For me, Goddard films fall into two categories: ones I really like and ones I don't care about. Right. Okay. Um, and ones I really I- like are contempt and. Uh, Goodbye to language and um, uh, to Bobby N certainly, and yeah. ones I well, don't yeah, care no, about totally. I, are yeah. every other one I've seen. So I I think yeah, but like whereas you swing between I don't care and I don't or and I like it, I think I swing you've, more violently. You've actually got a third tier in there, of... which like ones I actively really dislike. Right, right, and this one falls into that category. It's just the way it is. Like, I mean, I don't, I, is not the one I dislike the most. 
But like you couldn't really convince me to watch this movie again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Like Well, fortunately, and we I never feel like have I don't care if it's into the category of, well, I would watch it if you like forced me to. Yeah. Whereas if like you'd be hard pressed to convince me to watch this movie again. It would be a it would be a difficult job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I won't I won't make you watch it. Not now yeah, or ever. <laughs> I promise. I promise not to. But I think we would probably pull this to a close. Yeah, no, we're done. This week this, we've been this, talking this about Sean Luke Cotter's Breathless, his debut from 1960. Uh, next week we'll be talking about what I am sure is a much heavier film, uh, Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven from 1978. Uh, Sounds heavier. Yeah, it's a Malick movie. It's going to be heavier. It's actually it's pretty short for a Malick movie, so there's that at least. <laughs> it's only 94 okay. minutes, whereas the that last Malick, the last Malick movie I watched was well over three hours. So, <laughs> well, I'm yeah. I'm I'm always gratified when like whenever I when wherever we're getting like ready and I, I I load up the movie on Criterion Channel or something and I see it's only 90 minutes. Like, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. Um. Before we Sounds close, bad. I do want to I do want to share with my absolutely favorite bit in this movie is when she walks into the cafe and says a scotch, and the bartender says I don't have any scotch, and she says <laughs> all right coffee. coffee. Yeah, yeah, no, that's real good. It's yeah. real good. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyway, this week I, it's been I breathless. I genuinely liked. I actually kind of liked her discussion with the interviewee at the airport. Yeah. Because I feel like she's just so disinterested in the person she's interviewing. <laughs> right. Like, she, the acting in there is real good about, like, her just being like, oh, this fucker. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, she's here, she's doing it, and she's already done with it. She's like, yeah. ugh, this guy. Turns like, it turns out I may like Jean Seberg more than nearly anyone else in this movie. So Yeah, I think so. I agree. Yeah. I actually think her acting is quite good yeah. it's just you know she's working with what she's got yeah yeah so this week we've been talking about breathless next week it is terrence malick's days of heaven thank you once again for listening to lost criterion i am as always the adam glass with me as always john patrick Oatari dorgan and we'll see you next time Hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes? 
like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lost in criteria. We'd appreciate it. Well, I let's just shut it down. I got yeah, we probably should. My brain's broken. Uh anyway. Um <laughs> At least you're not stuck in a loop or something. It could be worse. Yeah, we probably should. My brain's not working. Are we actually going to turn the That was a loop over? joke. That was a loop joke. Oh, I'm sorry. That was, I, like, no, man. Was, it's like 1 a.m. here. What are you doing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I barely remember I, my name. I apologize. What movie are it's we true. talking about? It's I just true. know it's Goddard, so I can just say a bunch of stuff about how sexist he is. <laughs> I don't even have to think about it.